Hey fam, this week we are celebrating Pride Month by having a great conversation with my good friend and newly found friend, I should say, Leo W.T. Um, Leo has a background in social justice, community building, and spiritual curiosity. Leo created conversations to fill the need for an intentional community safe space for dialogue and purposely intellectual and spiritual conversations. I highly recommend uh, you going and checking out their website. Uh, of course, as always, show notes at whitehodgepodcast.com, Profane Faith. This week, we're also doing a crossover episode. They're on my show. I'm on their show. So check it out. Tell us what you think. And y'all, let's finally get this thing right with uh, our LGBTQ fam, uh, because there's a lot of mess going on out there. And um, it's, it's time we just end a lot of this bullshit that's out there. This week, we're also going to hop right into the conversation because it's such a good one. Um, and Leo is such a great communicator. And because we're swapping uh, shows, uh, you will be able to hear my introduction, their introduction uh, on their show. So if you haven't already listened to Conversations Official, you can find it wherever you find your podcast. And I highly, highly recommend you checking that out. Another great voice in this journey of faith and religion. Yeah. All right. Let's get into this, folks. You, 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 you give us a hard time for being white, being American, and being in control. I did more for our black population than anybody other than Abraham Lincoln. Okay? And nobody's even close. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It's our God. Jesus Christ has turned the tables on you. Amen. Victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. I bet he can't wait to go home and be, become a black man again. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Go for it. All right, friends, if you're watching on Conversation, you know me. I'm here, I'm queer, and I'm Leo WT, keeping things a little bit snazzy and a lot of it intersectional. <laughs> uh, but for those of you who are watching or listening on Profane Faith, I'd like to introduce myself a little bit. I am a LGBTQ uh, queer theologian from rural Western New York. Um, I was assigned female at birth and I was spent most of my life, uh, despite moving, you know, I'm 32 and I've moved 32 times, but I've spent most of my life in rural America. Um, sometimes I say regrettably, uh, I also say regrettably about being a Christian, but something that I've been learning lately is how to be myself and to be intersectional and fighting the need that I am told that I should have to disavow a part of my identity to exist. Um, I am queer. I am Christian. I do live in a rural environment. 
None of those three things are assumed to go together, but I'm here to show that we can be intersectional and we can be diverse and we can talk about faith and spiritual matters and political matters and intellectual matters in a way that encompasses everybody's perspective, because that's the way we truly move forward. So that's, that's who I am in a nutshell. And if you're on conversations, I'm going to throw you over to my friend. And if you're on profane faith, you're listening to the host right now. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Leo. Uh, And and yes, I love this crossover. My name is Daniel White Hodge. Uh, I am in the academy. I'm a reluctant uh, scholar. I didn't start out dreaming that I was going to be a scholar. I actually started. Well, if you take my (laughs) employment history all the way back to the underground um, economy, um, I used to run cars and numbers in the Bay Area and whatnot, because at the time, and this was in the 80s, I wasn't going to get paid $4 an hour. I was like, man, I don't forget that. So, But I also didn't, I didn't want to sell drugs. It was at the height of the crack era. Uh, yeah. My mom was addicted, and uh, I was like, I, I just can't. I was a horrible drug seller. I was like, no, nah, I, I can't do this. Like, here, just, no, I'm done. Um, <laughs> but I needed to have some kind of hustle, and so that was what I did. We, um, we had a whole little ring going. My friend... Uh, um, Steve and uh, then we had another guy. Um, he would well, basically, I, I'll just I'll just put it all. I just put myself on blast. It's, uh, hopefully, this, I'm a, I'm in immunity since it's been over thirty years. But right, at, right. <laughs> at any rate, exactly, exactly. I didn't want to steal anybody's car, so what we used to do was just actually go to the lot. Back in the day, they used to let you test drive uh, cars without anyone in them. <laughs> <laughs> and so my friend would take him over to another friend we had on payroll uh, at a locksmith. And so we would duplicate the keys. My friend and I then would go back at around two, three in the morning, take that car, take it over to my other friend at the DMV, get the number, scratch and make it legit and then sell parts like that. So I did that right, for a while. Right. <laughs> oh, um, and then um, I was in construction and I thought this is the best thing. I'm going to I'm going to flip houses for the rest of my life. And then uh, I waded into the waters of Christianity and um, (laughs) coming out of the nation of Islam into Christianity, um, I worked with youth and was part of Young Life and blah, 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 Young, a lot of that. And then that's kind of how I stumbled into the academy. Um, That's why I say reluctant about that and whatnot. But I am... Biracial, I am, uh, well, actually, racially, I'm black. Uh, ethnically, I'm Mexican-American and African-American. And uh, I, I do my best to try to claim both of those heritages. Um, I've been more accepted in the African-American community uh, than I have, unfortunately, in my own family. Uh, and my mom was the only one in my family who's Mexican who ended up keeping my, my, my grandmother, who's very conservative, Baptist woman, this and this and that, actually encouraged my mom to get an abortion when she uh, when she was pregnant wow. with me because like you can date black men and have sex with them but don't don't you dare have a baby by them um don't and, do it yeah don't do it exactly <laughs> and so consequently that has kind of put me on the outs of my literally entire mexican side of my family haven't seen my dad since uh, july of 82 so if you know where that brother is is Right before Empire Strikes Back, I thought we were going to go see it together. And here, you know, we never saw it together. <laughs> At any rate, um, here I am. I and- love that dating right before Empire Strikes Back. Like, let me know I got a ticket. <laughs> right. We can go exactly. <laughs> Holding my ticket. Oh, mercy. Um, so, yeah, I got into podcasting right after the uh disaster of the 2016 election and i thought you know what i am done holding my tongue on shit and profane faith has been uh, the space for me to kind of unpack some things work through some things i don't have all the answers and i think i'm trying to still figure out because i get asked this question a lot why are you still 
you know, engaged with Christianity and, and, uh, I, I don't, I don't really have a good answer. I have, a, I have, I have about a hundred different answers, but I don't have a really good one for that. Right. Right. And so That's, here we are. I feel you. And I'm, I'm so glad, uh, for those of you who are watching, listening, Daniel and I have been going back for a while. I've been listening to this man's podcast for a minute. I'll get my pump on, I'll get my white hodge on, you know, it's a good time at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but what really drew me in, uh, Daniel, and I actually didn't know about the Nation of Islam piece, which I feel like adds another layer there. Um, but what I hear from your story is is an intersectionality and also a voice that I can relate to in terms mm. of like, if I'm going to be a Christian, which is still, if I'm being honest, I'm on the fence a lot of the time, which is yeah. funny because I'm a seminary. Um, <laughs> and I, I just decided <laughs> that I wanted to pursue my PhD and such, but um, I'm on the fence. But what I hear from your voice is like, if I'm going to be a Christian, I need other people like you to be involved because that is that is validating because so much of what I see in Christendom, I just cannot fuck with, you know. Um, but there's something there for me that's undeniable. And I have to figure out what that is. And I loved that uh, the intersectionality in your own voice and in your own in your own podcast, you know, in your work, because I think both of our communities, you know, like a, a, a biracial, uh, you know, intersectional spirit, spiritual background, a black man in America, uh, a, a non-binary person who um, is Let's be honest, like I'm just extra all the time. And I like this <laughs> I hair and I like and I like the smoke, but but like here I am and I can't give up on Christianity. So I, I blew up on TikTok this week, which was an interesting Ooh, Okay. Uh, the wrong side of TikTok found me first and just feasted on my carcass. Oh, uh, but I'm that algorithm to the right side of TikTok found me. And I made a video about being reluctantly Christian and people are like, Well, why be a Christian? And so for me, my story of intersectionality is that when I came out, I had this, I had to be willing to sacrifice everything. Mm. I, can't, I come from a pastor's family. Um, I grew up understanding myself to be a person with a calling into ministry. Uh, I went to a Christian college. All of my friends were steeped in Christendom. I worked at a Christian summer camp. So I had to give up my family. I had to give up my, you know, my ecological location i had to leave rural new york and go to the city for a while and be be like uh, couch surfing in new york and i had to give up perhaps what was most devastating to me was my idea of vocation and and being a pastor and you know for so long i felt like i had to deal with the church and then in this past year largely catapulted by the 2016 election and the mounting tension that's been building, I said, you know what? I've dealt with the church long enough. Now they have to deal with me. And then what happened was about 365 days ago, uh, I got word about this evangelical non-denominational church in my town um, that I, I, if I'm being honest, I can't stand because it's bad theology and it's unintelligible preaching and it's all hype. <laughs> Unintelligible um, preacher. I like that. that. That'll preach right there. I know, man. I can't even get a quote from this guy to clap back at because he speaks like Trump. Um, oh, no. But I stood out in front of my salon the day after my salon was vandalized. Someone oh. threw a brick through our window that said the first pride was a riot against police brutality. Hashtag happy pride. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Someone threw a brick through it. And um, despite this being my third instance of being like targeted by a hate crime, the police in my town don't think it's a hate crime. Uh, and I stood up and I plopped back at this at, at, at evangelicalism, prompted by this pastor, but at evangelicalism. And the the title of the video was the evangelical church is, uh, you know, something like an engine of hate and bigotry in our society. And apparently this pastor thought, 
I was talking about him. I don't know why he got that idea because I never said his name, but he made a big deal out of it. But that video got 10K views, um, which has never happened to me before, ever. Just an extemporaneous eight minute and 48 second speech. And I realized that someone or a lot of someone's needed my level of intersectionality in order for Christianity to hold any water. Hmm. And I hear that like a lot in your story too. So, so like my question to you is, is what makes you give a shit still about Christianity? What keeps you here? You know? <laughs> wow. I, that, that's so, yeah. <laughs> it's a small, small, small way to start. Um, well, I mean, I think there's a few different things. I think, with 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 anything that I think we wrestle with, right? We find things that we can attach ourselves to, and then kind of begin to chew away at that. Um, for me, it's looking at okay. Let me look at, for example, just how the world is is put together. And I don't necessarily mean the people; I literally mean the figurative world. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, when you think about the core of the Earth, you think about you know the planetary systems. Uh, you think about how the sun is constructed, where we sit in the Milky Way, kind of in the suburbs, away from any kind of, you know, devastating gamma rays that could come out of the center of, of the Milky Way. I, I began to ask myself, and I remember talking to a couple of astrophysicists and them saying, like, you know, to have gotten humanity to where we're at and, you know, like if it was just randomness, it would be the equivalent of somebody with a rifle trying to sharpshoot a can on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and, and, and so I'm like, okay, there's obviously something broader than us here. I truly believe that. I truly believe yeah. in the supernatural. I do believe there's something, there's even power that resides within us. Mm -hmm. But when we get down to the nitty gritty, so much of it has been skewed and mm -hmm. colonized and taken and misconstrued in such a way that you get people to throw things through your window and to call you evil names, nefarious names, names that, you know, should never be uttered, but because they believe that that is what God would want them to do. Right. Um, and I think for me, just as a scholar, I'm trying to just continually figure out what does that mean? Like, like what causes somebody like, think about it. Like Jim Jones, I grew up in that era, right? Like I remember as a kid, seeing them on television like seeing folks they're showing the dead bodies and i'm thinking even then what causes somebody to follow somebody to that length because we're humans unless yeah. you know this is looper and some kids got levitating powers you got the same powers that i got so it's just like there's got to be something beyond that so then then we get into social constructs what does it mean to say no to things there was a simpsons episode i love the simpsons and um uh, homer was joining this cult and they had gotten everybody to come into uh this room to hear the message from the leader um and i remember people were like man this is dumb i'm, I'm getting up and then they shined a spotlight right on that person they were like why are you getting up can you tell us you're free to leave you know but you know but don't but but can you tell us and then yeah. they just felt so like humiliated they sat back down that for me is 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 trying to understand christianity that's part of what keeps me engaged in it the other part of it is um you know is is the the astrophysics of it the astronomy mm -hmm. of it it's like 
is God a higher power? And I, this, I, I say this to some people, and I definitely say this to you, Leo, because I think you, you, you can handle it. Because I'm a lot ready. of people hear it and they and they think, oh, you're one of those like UFO alien dudes. Like, well, no, 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 hold up, hold up, just not completely. <laughs> Right, but, but also not not right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, a part of it is I'm trying to figure out: is this just the religion we find ourselves in, in the mm -hmm. current moment that we have, because of the wars, because of the politics, because of the way we've structured our ethos as as a country? Right. I mean. People think that the United States, like especially when you see movies, right? The only place in the world that exists is the U.S. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's going to be some U.S. person that saves the world. Um, yeah. So I'm I I I, I want to figure that out. And I, and and what keeps me the supernatural? What keeps me is the knowing that I think there's something beyond what we see in front of us. Uh, yeah, in fact, I know that. Go ahead. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I've always, there is some, there is something that I have felt in these moments of intersection with faith and religious experience that I had in my evangelical days, right? But there's something tangible I felt. And I can't, I can't disavow that. So my only option is to make sense of it in intersection with where I am at now. And I feel like to me, um, I always, I, people are like, are you a Christian? And I like choke on the word. Right. Like, I, can't, right. I can't get, but I can't say I'm not. Yeah. And so I, I have two assumptions about where I'm at in life. I think that I personally, as I identify as a non-binary person who feels fully male and fully female, uh, that's, that's me in a nutshell, like I embody those things a lot. Uh, I also feel like spiritually non-binary. That's kind of like where I'm, the point that I'm working from because I believe there's an intersectionality of, of religion and faith that we th that exists. And I'm trying to understand that. And I always compare it to speaking languages, right? So um, no matter where I go in the world, even if I moved somewhere else and worked really hard and learned the language, my first language would still be English. And mm -hmm. so I kind of compare that to my religious background because no matter where I go, I will always be Christian. And especially as someone who doesn't know their racial or ethnic background, like I asked my mom what I was and she said white. And I was like, mom, like you can't go back to the land of white. That's not a thing. Like I can't, I can't go back and visit white on vacation. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, right. As someone who doesn't have a religious or ethnic background, Christianity is my culture. Yeah. And as much as I don't like that, um, when I was reading Kristen Covey Dumais' new book, uh, Jesus and John Wayne, I actually had her on the podcast a couple months ago. And um, we were talking and I was really coming to this realization that this is my culture. And so I'm not fucking giving it up. <laughs> Y'all made me give up everything else. Like I'm back and I'm taking it back. And I don't right. know, I'll fix it. I'll, it's broken, but I'll fix it. I'll try. You know what I mean? And I feel like the best way to do that is to lean into the questions about how terrible Christianity has been and to take your, to take my faith tradition seriously enough to hold it accountable right? and to really understand it and to push up against the edges of it and to figure it out. And I feel like that's part of the process right now in the world is, I mean, it parallels so closely with America too. Like what the hell does this actually mean? What is good here? What is colonization here? And how do we make this anything that's redemptive in the future? Well, let me ask you this then, Leo. I mean, with that in mind, um, like what 
Where do you, uh, well, I don't know if I want to ask that. I, I, I know none of us are futurists, but I, I'm curious, like, what keeps you motivated when there is such a visceral, like, I'm before we, uh, you know, hooked up and got all the technology going, I'm reading an article about how, you know, Flynn is talking about, you know, they had a big rally, I guess, yesterday in, in, in somewhere in Texas on the QAnon conspirators. And because the power of religion is is something not to be uh, underestimated, right? The power of heaven and hell. When you think about just those binaries elements, yeah. I'm either going to yeah. go to heaven, I'm either going to go to hell, and I damn sure don't want to go to hell. And so what keeps you going in the midst of of this hate that, you know, and with religion being used at the center of it? Does that make sense? Maybe you've already answered yeah. that. I don't know. No, it, no, it does. It makes perfect sense. Um, I was actually discussing, it's funny. I, I was on TikTok. Um, I've been on TikTok for 72 seconds. I'm not an influencer <laughs> by any means. I just had two or three videos get really big, but someone was asking me about heaven and hell and there. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't believe in the, like, I don't believe in binary heaven or hell. I, I don't think that exists. Um, but there's, there's something there that, the world needs that can come through the practice of religion. And uh, I think it's time for religious people to be engaging this conversation, particularly, I spoke to um, Dr. Rachel Mikva, who is, uh, she works at Chicago Theological Seminary. She is a Jewish uh, person, and she wrote a book called Dangerous Religious Ideas. If you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. It's amazing. I, I've heard but of it, I haven't read it, but that's, I've heard oh. of it. It's so good. We had the most amazing conversation about it because she talks about how religion is innately a dangerous idea because you wield the power of heaven and hell, and but you also are a human at the same time. And so she talked about how for especially Abrahamic faiths, there is a self-critical practice that is built into the faith. And when religion becomes disembodied from that self-critical practice, it becomes dogma and it becomes cult-like and it becomes dangerous. And so for me, I'm taking my faith tradition seriously enough. It's the lens through which I view the world, right? And so I'm taking it seriously enough to say, what does this have to offer to the world? What has it done wrong in the world? What can we fix? What can we keep? What should we throw away? And I think for me, one of the most beautiful parts about Christianity is the understanding of the ability to access and engage with divinity without the need for an intermediary. Um, and I think that's a very powerful thing. Now, some people, if you didn't grow a Christian, you never had that. Like my wife and I occupy the same space spiritually. We got there incredibly differently. And frankly, I'm jealous sometimes because she doesn't have the hangups I have, you know, but but we've come to this same space. And and I want to see like I want to taste and I want to see and I want to know and I want to push up on the edges of against of this doctrine of Christianity. And frankly, at this point, I'm dragging these motherfuckers along with me because they're going to have to admit they were wrong at some point. And if they're not going to admit it, I'm going to admit it for them. That's it. That's it. Well, and part of it is, is I feel like. In all of this, we're all trying to figure our way out. It's right. It's like the old, what is it, Tori Amos song, you know, what if God was one of us, right? It's like yep. we're still trying to figure our way home. Now, yep. some people have a bigger microphone and yep. they're able to construct and yell and say things in such a way that it makes it sound like this is absolute. I grew up in one of those churches, a black Seventh-day Adventist church that stated, we know the truth, right? And everybody else don't and yep. so you know and there's something right about that because it's like man the supernatural 
spooks mm-hmm. a lot of people. You know right, right. It's, it's just like you know hey hey that wasn't supposed to move and hey hey did you hear those voices it's like well let's it, you know and 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 for me it's like i want to begin continue to figure things out i'm one of those people who as i've studied and gotten deeper into both anthropology uh archaeology and also the study of religion um there's a lot of stuff that's been skewed out there um, in, in regards to, right, sacred passages. One of the reasons why I, I still like the Quran, because the Quran says, look, if you really want to learn the word of Allah, you need to understand Arabic. <laughs> yes, yeah. we have other versions. That's cool. But those are interpretations. Whereas yeah. the Bible just got all kinds of shit. Like I grew up thinking the King James Version was the only version Anything else, the NIV was written by first dayers. That's what we call people who went to church right. on Sunday. Right, and right. <laughs> the King James Version was God's word. And honestly, Leo, it wasn't until I actually got to seminary and I had mm-hmm. the guts to ask the question, where did the Bible come from? Because I thought it yeah. literally came out of heaven from God yeah. in God's hands and handing it to humanity. Um, <laughs> and then when I found out about councils of Nicaea and the debates yeah. and Christendom, yeah. and I, I was like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Uh, you mean other yeah. niggas put this shit together? Like what? what? Like it wasn't no. Oh my god! I had so I had someone on my page like trying to fight with me about how the Bible came to be. And first of all, it's like you're swimming out of your depth, Tony. But right. whatever, okay, right. I'll engage you for a minute. Right. And they're like, you don't believe God wrote the Bible? And I said, I just wrote in all caps, God did not have hands. Right. It's just around like this, man. And, and uh, listen, I'm not throwing the Bible away. Of course, I'm of course not. Taking it serious. I'm the only motherfucker in the room taking it seriously enough to say, let's study that context. Right. Because I believe the Bible has been misused. Yes, that is unquestionable. But I think we just flat out miss some shit too, especially if you don't learn the context. Like you're missing the actual truth in there. And and I feel like the you know, there there is value to the Bible. I can believe in the value of the Bible with, with while also not supporting its inerrancy. It's still a valuable book that has shaped the world. But do I say that every single line out of To Kill a Mockingbird is to be lived by? No, I don't. Right. right? <laughs> but it's a valuable book, right? And right. I can I can still hold to that and read Sufi poets and, and study the Torah and talk to some Satanists along the way. Like I can still engage with the Bible and have all of those other conversations. So right. why the hell did we let right. it get so cloistered and so misunderstood to the point where people literally think God wrote the Bible? Like, it doesn't make sense. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, and then so much of that shit then gets tied to people's work, um, yep. people's financial, because it's like if somebody doesn't think you fit, we can just cut you out, right? And Right out. I learned this, and it was one of the reasons why I, I got out of nonprofit work within faith-based nonprofit work let me be let me be clear because i just yeah. couldn't take so much of the money in christianity is tied up in ultra right wing uh environments it's like those motherfuckers yeah. just bottled up all the money uh and and uh you know and just and just kept it for themselves and so it, because it's like if they didn't like a certain thing if they didn't like a certain way of your view of the bible right then it was like well then i'm just gonna just take my take my money and and, and go elsewhere and, and whatnot yeah. and i hated being at the whim of that i'll be i'll be honest with you i'm i'm kind of 
I, I, I'm kind of hood in that in that sense. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like being like at the whim of anybody's thing, mm-hmm. which is why, like you know, both you know, my wife and I, and and we've you know, we've we've made a decision. Like, okay, debt. Yes, we owe on our house, but let's try to cut everything else out. Because I'm just like, man, I don't, I hate owing somebody something. I, I want to be under anybody's thumb. Right. And so ultimately, I think Christianity, you know, for me is an exploration and. Mm-hmm. It's a continual journey rather than the ultimate destination, which I feel like a lot of churches, and I'll just speak frankly about POC churches, you know, these multi-ethnic and multicultural churches, because while they may talk about racial issues, they come very short of talking about issues of LGBTQ fam. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember bringing this up at one of the conferences. This was a multi-ethnic national conference and saying Mm -hmm. that, you know, our LGBTQ fam needs to be invited and need to be in positions of power within a church. And people automatically, like, well, it was cool talking about white supremacy and white races and dropping a couple of fuck bombs, right? You know, about, you know, whiteness. But the minute I said anything about gay, people were like, mm. mm. Like, literally, you could hear a pin drop in the room and stuff. And I'm like, that's problematic, fam. Like, really? Yeah. Like, y'all, y'all gonna be that... Right, hotep about it, like y'all gonna be that, and and that is the truth, and that for me, I struggle. I was again telling my partner because we have these conversations all the time. I was like, I don't want to be in a white evangelical church. Conversely, I don't want to also be in a black Baptist church either. While I may like the music, I may like the the energy itself. The theology yeah. tends to be very very shallow, and it is about. Again, the destination, we're here, we're already there, let's talk about these things, rather than actual the actual journey. Uh, yeah. And that's what I struggle with. Because right now, you know, I don't, I don't go to church. I don't. I mean, because I just, I'm, yeah. I'm still asking the question, like, what's, what's the purpose of this? So, right. oh, man, it gets real that's complicated kind of, and muddy. Go ahead. That's kind of where, you know, I mentioned to you, and I, I mean, I might as well mention to the rest of anybody who watches this. Um, I've begun to uh, write a book entitled Queering Church. Don't try Love to take it. it. I'll cut my fingers off. That's right. Um, but, but I think that there is a divinely holy process right now that needs to be happening that our culture is primed for, which is the the queering of the church that was systematically unqueered. Because if you look back in ancient times and if you really study the Hebrew Bible and if you understand the social context, when Christianity arose, first of all, they're not calling themselves Christians. Right. Let's just point that out. Right. But when, you know, when uh, when the Torah was written, right, faith was queer in its nature, right? It was henotheistic. So what you had um, to, to break down that term of henotheism is the idea that they're the belief in a God without the vil- villainizing or um, disenfranchisement of other gods, right? So like, it was like, this is the God in the pantheon of gods that we worship. And that worked. But then all of a sudden you roll up on, you know, the Deuteronomic author of the Torah, you roll up on Leviticus, and you see, oh, wait, what? They're trying to centralize the religion. So that was the first step in the unqueering of mm. that which is queer. And when I say queer, I'm not, it's important that everybody knows, I'm not specifically talking about orientation and gender. Sure, that's a part of it. But queer, and in particular queer theology, and the verb of queering 
is the idea that queering to queer something is to dissolve the binary nature of it. Ooh, come because on. the binary Thanks. nature, the binary nature is not supported by psychology, it's not supported by ecology, it's not supported by biology, it's not supported by geography, it's not supported by anthropology. Like the the beginning of the shit show, in my opinion, the beginning of the shit show in antiquity was when we said let's centralize the cult religion. Let's formalize this. Let's make rules. And that was the first domino to fall to get to where we got. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the act of queering, the verb of queering, and the idea of queering church is a reclamation of what it was supposed to be before all the patriarchy and, and the colonizers and let's call it the white people before they all got in the way, right? <laughs> before the white, straight, landowning men got in the way, church and faith was fundamentally queer. It was an interaction with the divine where you were at. You had an interaction with the divine in your space and you built an altar to symbolize that. And then all of a sudden, mm. the, the central body said, we can't have that. You can only come to this altar. And I, please don't understand me as saying that is in an anti-Semitic way, because that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the religion in general started queer, became less queer by the use of the institution. And then historically, we're seeing the fallout of that. And so my work as you know, a practical queer theologian, and I'm just owning those titles at that point. I'm taking them. No yeah, one come will on. take them, but mine. <laughs> um, that's the work that I want to engage in in my practice of being Christian. And frankly, my practice of Christian very infrequently involves talking about being a Christian, and it very frequently involves talking to everybody else I can talk to. <laughs> and and I think that's the bummer about the people that have that big microphone. It's not all the people, but they got a big enough microphone. They convinced you of that. And they're the ones that are insular. And we got to be like, hold the phone. Right. Right. You're unqueering what was innately queer. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, like I'm queer right. and I'm coming for you. I'm black and I'm coming for you. I'm um, I'm differently abled and I'm coming for you. There's so many levels of intersectionality that we lose when we unqueer that was which was meant to be queer originally. And, and I think that that's, that for me is what I'm sticking around for. I'm using my first language of Christianity to try to make the world a better fucking place. And I'm not doing that by escapism. And I'm not doing that by waiting for the rapture. And I'm not doing that by just quoting verses I don't understand. I'm doing that by going out and doing the work, right? right. And that's what I want my book, Queer Church, to be about, right? So we're going to uh, start, I'm writing the history portion now to mm. try to to try to take church history and, and break it down in one chapter, right? Not presumptuous at all. <laughs> That's right. But, but I want to take, I want to lay a foundation for the idea that the church was queer. It was, right? If you're if you're understanding queer, as, I, as I'm putting it forth. And then I want to talk about what the church is uh, in a queer manner, because there is something that makes people want to go to church. Even Satanists, even atheists, even secular humanists, we still want to all come together in a community around yeah. a set of ideas. That's an innately human thing. And I think that's what the church has to offer. But we just, it got a little fucked up along the way. And so I would <laughs> like to be queer that was originally queer. And I want to do that by my work of just being my intersectional self and challenging people to do that as well. 
Well, I I absolutely adore and love that because I and and that for me is another reason why I continue to hang around with Christianity because there are thinkers like yourself who are trying to push the boundaries, which is the only way anything grows is is by pushing those boundaries and by I mean even the way we grow. I I had growing pains as a kid because I was growing fast and my bones and skin couldn't keep up it's not and so hard. right <laughs> so. This is part of it. And I feel like we're at that time right now uh, in the research. I mean, the, and I'll go to my in my academic mode. I mean, it's like I wrote about this three years ago in my book, Homeland Insecurity, that the research is suggesting that young adults, 18 to 28, are, are simply saying we're not throwing away God, but right. we are yep. saying the way it's been done, that's we're done so, with that shit. Yep. Yeah. Like the exclusion of this group, the exclusion of that group, the the imprisonment and enslavement of this group. Nah, we're we're good. We're good with that. And so that for me is part of like I I'm hoping I can live long enough to to be able to see the evolution, uh, to use that term, um, of what Christianity can become because it's going to be a fight. I mean, and I think that's it yeah. because ideological structures are much bigger than even technological structures because ideology goes deep within us. It, it's, it, it motivates us. And I'm speaking of myself right now. I mean, I'm, I'm motivated by different ideologies and motivated by different things and, 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 you know, that I read on. But the reality of it is, is that I think as society, especially here in the U.S., and because the U.S. is such a superpower and we pump out all of our stuff, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly to the rest of the world, um, mm -hmm. it, it, so much of, you know, what is Christianity is looked upon right now as the U.S. Yes. Um, and and that for me just begins to, you know, put a, again, a more of a crawl, you know, in my own in my own bag. But I love what you're doing with with the definition of queering the, the and how we look at that, because there is I mean, let's just be honest. There is something to be said um I was at a Hindu temple, you know, I don't know, this is probably about 10 years ago, and I loved uh, what folks were talking about there because they were like, you know, we have one God, but there's many different versions of this God. And they took me through the different passages of what that looks like. That's no different than, honestly, what we do with Jesus. We take Jesus, and this Jesus is the conservative Jesus that wants unborn babies to be born. You know, that okay, that's one version of Jesus. We got another Jesus over here that's just kind of your friend and doesn't want to do any kind of violence or whatever. Then we got the angry God over here that does want to kill everybody and that wants to. And, you know, even the debates that went on between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. The God of the New Testament is saying, you know, love your enemy. Right. Uh, -huh. uh yeah. you know, let's 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 think about that. Whereas the God of the Old Testament is like. Nah, man, take them niggas out, right? Like, go yeah. in and kill them. Dash, dash their babies' heads off, Roxas. Right. We're done. We're right. Done. <laughs> right. I mean, and, no. that's, and that for me, I'm just like, okay, we, and, and, you know, even the way people try to, you know, break down, you know, the God, the Trinity and whatnot, I'm just like, all right, oh. we're, we're talking in, in very polytheistic terms, but we don't want to call it polytheistic. And exactly. You, <laughs> you know what Question. I'm saying? So, so uh, in your proximity with the nation of Islam, uh, and, and I, this is not something I'm, I'm an expert in, uh, but I did, I had some, uh, my history of Christian thought class actually was like 30% um, Muslim this year okay. in school. 
which I love, uh, Chicago Theological. I'm going to say uh, like a third of my professors this semester were Jewish and a third of my classmates were Islamic. And I loved that diversity. But one of the biggest questions in the history of Christian thought was like, what the hell do you do with the Trinity? Like, how is that? How is that monotheism? And that was an interesting conversation we were having. Um, and I think that there are these things that are are translational issues and we got to talk about them right like we need to sit down and dialogue like if you believe seriously in the trinity how do you explain that and also hold that in the same hands as monotheism like how do you do that and i just thought it was really cool to see that to see that um that you know religious ideology challenged by not challenged in a mean way but just questioned by someone who it was completely foreign to like how you know like we got to have those conversations, right? Like, we right. got to have them. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly. A colleague of mine at Cal State Northridge, because I'm, I'm a West Coast guy through and through, I mean, uh, and uh, one of the best religious studies departments that I taught at was at Cal State LA. Um, and uh, a colleague of mine, you know, he talked about just, he was a pastor and um, it, at, a, at a, you know, at a local church. But he was just like, I want my congregation to know some of these things that we don't talk about a lot. And that was one of the issues that he talked about, like engaging with a conversation of looking at a polytheistic Christian God. Um, yeah. He also talked about how, you know, the narrative of the messianic figure of Christ, you know, predated Jesus, you know, by 400, yeah. 500 years and stuff. And he was like, again, I'm not trying to reshape how your faith is other than I want you to know these things yes. are out there. Um, yes. And so much of it is so much of it is drawn around fear and power. One of the best lines I saw in, in or I mean, I love everything about the handmaid's tale. Um, no. So much in that television series. Yeah. It's probably one of the best that I've seen in a while um, yeah. that just kept me engaged. And I had to coach myself to breathe through every oh, episode. Oh, I <laughs> through every damn episode and I love the way they nuance things but one of the best things that I that I heard on there was like you know it was never about the kids it was never about the bible it was never about all he said all oh, that's window dressing yep it's always been about power yes always always, always been about power you know what I'm saying? And that's that's what gets me because I'm just like all this stuff about like people you know go upside down about abortion I'm just like they ain't got nothing to do with abortion Nope. All blue lives matter. The fuck it does. Y'all niggas yeah, out there killing. Nothing to do with that. <laughs> right. Nothing to do with that. Y'all can give a fuck about blue lives. Y'all just want to have something to say against black life, right? Or exactly. against LGBTQ fam or against queers or against whoever you that doesn't, you don't want to have power. And and that for me, again, comes back to it. I'm just like, this is about power. And, I, and it drives me nuts as someone who studies media that folks get so duped into thinking, mm -hmm. oh, oh my gosh. You know, it's like, again, a Family Guy episode when Lois runs for governor or mayor um, mm. and uh, Brian's trying to coach her, like, you know, hey, you got to just be a lot more simple. And she's like, 9 11. And they're like, oh my gosh, yes, 9 11. You know, and she's like, <laughs> and people are like, yeah, I like her. I like her. Yeah. That's really where we go. We start thinking about discourse and how things get broken down and rhetorical theory and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's why I can't stand debates like presidential debates, because I'm just like, you know, I can't answer something in 90 seconds about the Middle East conflict and between Palestine and Israel yeah. in 90 seconds. The fuck you yeah. talking about, and man? This is the thing is that systems of power will always work to stay in power. There it, it is. It doesn't matter who's right. in power. Right. Right. And let me throw let me throw an analogy down here for you. Come right? on. 
So, so, so blue lives matter didn't exist until there was an assertion that black lives matter, right? The right. concept of blue lives was created right. to vilify and demonize black lives. The concept of heterosexuality and homosexuality didn't exist in the Bible because homosexuality was not vilified. It was an understood part of culture. Heterosexuality was created so that we could condemn those that were homosexual because they were different. And so in much the same way that Blue Lives Matter is a fictional thing, like heterosexuality as an ideological structure, I would argue is a fictional thing because it was a binary that was created to divide and to allow the people in power to keep in power. And so I think that's where the spirit, I, I think the idea of queering is a spiritual discipline Come on. because, because the idea of blue lives matter was decided to make you click up with your like kind so that that like kind could stay in power and hold on to public opinion and maintain public office, right? Blue lives didn't exist until black lives were on the line, right? And I think I don't, I'm not black, so I don't want to completely conflate the two, but I think that's where you begin to see the ideology of binary thinking become a weapon. And I think that that's problematic because there, it's all about power. Just like you said, like name, name one time um, when when someone uh, when a politician stated their religion as a means of uh, 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 anything other than garnering support of people who are also of that religion, you know what I mean? Like how people in power will do what's possible to stay in power, and we as is the peons down here as just the lowly thinkers that that can't get a real job or whatever, you know. Um, it's our job to disrupt that system because otherwise they're just skating through. They're just right. getting off scot free. Right. And that's not okay. Like we gotta be like, fuck what you heard. Like that's not what it's about, you know? Right. We have to do it. Otherwise, otherwise religion is not redemptive, in my opinion. Right. Exactly. If, if it only serves to keep people in power in power, then I'm out on it. But if it serves to create practical change or bring about community or or, or drive a fo focus on social justice, then I'm about it. But I'm not about the power mongering. And that's what we see so much. And I, I, I'm saying this about Christianity, but I think you can see because religion is a dangerous idea innately. You can see how that plays out in other ways. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And even who controls the narrative of, say, for example, Jesus, right? Like who gets to say this is what Jesus was? I mean, once we start to actually break down who Jesus was and what Jesus did, th that individual, that person would stand on the outside of what we define, right, as Christianity today. Because yeah. Jesus broke so many of those rules and, and, and would talk shit to people. Very, quite often, you know, once we start to actually get into the actual text, um, that most, but that that's why he, that people were like, man, let's kill this nigga, let's kill this motherfucker. He's always yeah. talking shit about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's yeah. an outlaw. This and, and he's hanging out with a bunch of freaking thugs as well. Um, that are all armed, by the way. Uh, you know, and that's the other thing that people talk about. It's like yeah, the whole other conversation on you know being armed or whatever. But it's just like, man, most of them cats was armed and stuff. And so Jesus was a threat to those systems yeah. of power. Uh, yeah. Even when you know Pontius Pilate asks him, you know, about power, he's just like, you know, hey, you you know, whatever, you know, just do to me, do what you do quickly. You know, it's just like. Yep throws that back into it. So I, I, I have to ask myself if we're really looking at Jesus as our example, 
Are we really? Or have we made this Jesus into the idol um, of what Jesus himself would have stood against uh, at, at during that time of Jesus, right? Yep. The idleness of, of what an image of Jesus is. You know what my favorite thing to talk about is, is well, not my favorite, but I, I like to talk about a lot of things. I like to talk. I'm just something <laughs> out there. But um, I, I, I love the difference between fandom Jesus and right. like historical Jesus. I'm not even going to go with biblical Jesus because I think to me, even historical Jesus, if that's all we got, I think historical Jesus was still pretty fucking badass. Right. And it was really subversive. Right. But like fandom Jesus is this just like pale complected smooth hair, Swedish looking <laughs> fellow who carries a gun and, and believed in America, even though America, the idea of America is completely anachronistic to the right. existence of Jesus, right? right, right. We, don't, we don't need to talk about that because like, you know, <laughs> I'll never forget one time someone told me, well, you know, bad things are going to happen in America because America is not in the book of Revelations. And I was like, because America is like a couple hundred years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, I can't right. even, but you've got fandom Jesus who's standing there with a shirt that says God guns in the Bible and a fucking assault rifle ready to take out anyone, anyone who's looting or protesting. And then you've got historical Jesus who's got a goddamn brick in his hand. Like, what? Well, how do you, how do you <laughs> match the two? Like, I want to do a whole episode on fandom Jesus versus real Jesus. I love because it. I love can't it. Even get started because it's like, who are you actually following? Right, right. What what kind of mental hula hoops do you have to do to listen to George Bush on an aircraft carrier quote the Book of Isaiah about bombing the Middle East? What the hell? Right. What, what in the intellectual dishonesty? Hell. Right. <laughs> Right, right. Like fandom, like who do you, who do you really believe in? Mm -hmm. And maybe for me, that's part of my reclamation process of Christianity is being like, you guys are following the wrong damn vehicle. Like, I, I don't. One time I was in, uh, I was riding home from a college soccer game at Nyack, and we were supposed to follow the the white van in front of us. That's all we had to do. My team captain was driving, our coach was in the other van, and we just had to follow the white van in front of us. And then we were driving home. Um, we were driving home from, oh, man. Uh, I want to say it was like Dominican University. That was like our big arch rival at Nyack, right? Not okay. very far from baseball, but that was our sports arch rival. We're driving back from there to Nyack, so like away from the city, and all of a sudden we're at the George Washington Bridge, and we realized we were following the, the wrong damn white van. <laughs> Oh, and no. I feel like that's a perfect analogy for the American church. Like, you're following <laughs> the wrong vehicle. <laughs> right. Right. It is the truth. It's you the damn I mean? truth. It's the it's the it's the wrong vehicle, and it's like there's a goddamn hitch though on it. You know, so much oh. that it's 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 about to fall off the goddamn bridge and stuff, man. Yes. So, yes. Oh. like there's these things that we just picked up along the way, and you're like, surely that's Christianity. Surely that's Christianity. Surely, surely that's Christianity. You know what I mean? Like, yes. We should play a game like, is this from a Republican presidential candidate speech or is this from the Bible? Because I feel like people wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I feel like the Republican speech, uh, Republican presidential speeches might might get more points in that game. You right. know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. Oh my God! It, it, it's honestly a violence to the original text, yeah. the original context, and yeah. to the original belief system. It's a violence. Yes, and I think that's not okay. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that um, because of the distortion, right, and and because so much of that has been co-opted and and associated, right, with. Mm -hmm. 
all the things that kind of go with, and I give it to the GOP environment. They know how to galvanize their group around certain hot button issues that most, they're, they're right. They're professionals at it, right. To get them to think that somehow voting restriction laws need to be put back in place in these red States because the election was unfair and we don't want things to be unfair even though we would take every advantage of the you know what I'm saying that we can yeah. that's afforded to us and, yeah. and and that's what gets me about again the ideology I mean I don't identify when people talk about it you know religion and everything I don't identify as is you know flat out as a Christian uh, because of the connotation that comes with that you say that in a crowd um it, it people just like oh man here we wow. go you know and, they already believe 20 things about you that you haven't said and right. might not subscribe to, depending on your camp. You exactly. Exactly. And again, I oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I, was, I was just, all I was going to say was like, again, that's the power of the soundbite society, which is really where yeah. we've gotten to a point with religion and theology. It's soundbites. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is 100%. And I, I don't, I'm not like entirely a Bill Maher fan, but he was like saying yeah, yeah. how people. People get their news from Instagram. And I was like, you know what? Like, I would like to say that's wrong, but I don't think it is entirely. And I, we have to we have to go beyond that. But I almost want to look at I wonder what would happen. I'm really trying to get a cult psychologist on the show. I'll just break that down. I've I've been throwing out Hail Marys left and right, because what makes a cult and what makes a valuable belief system and how do we avoid those pitfalls going forward? Uh, I think that's part of queering the church, right? Is moving away from cult ideology. But I do, the the GOP does a damn good job of getting their people to unite on a couple of things. Like you could look, you could see another Republican out and you could fucking hate him. But as long as you know that they're for babies' lives and they're for guns, you are besties. And I think that, like, I wish we could do that on the left, whatever that means, because the left in America is just actually slightly tipped off of center. But, uh, uh, you know, but in America, uh, in in American politics and in religion, could we just harness the power of believing on the essentials and letting everybody fucking deal with the rest? Because that's what the GOP has managed to do. And while I think they're waning in practical power, I think they're smart in that. And I wish we could do that in Christianity, except major on the good shit, right? Like the love shit and the feeding the widows, the orphan and the poor and the bringing of the kingdom of heaven to earth. And, and, and all of that, like, I wish we could coalesce on that. And to me, that's like the real work. And that to me is why I stick around because if we're not doing that, any form of religion is useless to me. Right. I don't know what's going to happen when I die. So I can't put all my eggs in the basket of it's going to be good then, but it sucks now. Right. What that is unintelligent. That is right. horrible. That You know what I mean? Exactly. I no, exactly. And I mean, and, and, you know, especially once we start to think about, you know, what afterlife looks like, um, none of us know. And that's the thing. You know, people talk about, oh, I was dead 20 minutes. I want to talk to a motherfucker that's been dead a week. If you've been dead a week, right? You've been dead a week, seven days, verified in the morgue. Then you came back to life. I'll have a conversation with you, but twenty minutes, your brain, especially all the stuff that we know about brain psychology and when it's you know oxygen deprived and all the things that. I mean, how many times have we had a dream that just felt real, right? Exactly. You know that just felt a certain way, and so. I, you know, for me, I'm just like, none of us know. And and it, it, it's, 
<laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like, you know, how, how do you know? And who told you like this was going to be the case? And so you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, it's like when people say, well, you know, but the afterlife and all this, like, right. But people are living in hell right now here in the U.S. Where, right now. Here and now in America, your beloved sacred cow of a country that realistically is actually just still a social experiment if you want to talk about the time that it takes to be a really fully formed country. There you go. Like America is America is the McDonald's of, of civilization, <laughs> right? I went to Spain and one of the first things that changed my life about being in Spain. I came out when I was in Barcelona to a close friend of mine there. Mm. That's my So that was a big trip for me, but the whole trip was revolutionary for me. And one of the big things was I was just walking down the street and I was like, this building is older than my whole damn country. You know what I mean? And we get so <laughs> used to in America, we have prefab buildings, we yeah. have fast food, yeah. we have church buildings that are literally modular buildings that come out of a catalog and they got the goddamn Sagrada Familia, they got Montserrat, they have things with real history. And I think that we have to be willing to admit that this American fandom Christianity Jesus it is literally still a social experiment in terms of the the rest of history. Yeah. So yeah. get out of center stage and learn something. It's like I have a 12 year old and God, man, I just must, I must have been blessed to have been given the most <laughs> intelligent 12 year old, if you ask him. Right. And I, that's what America is. And that's what American evangelicalism. It's a 12 year old telling you how to parent because that's something my 12 year old likes to do. It's a 12 year old telling you how to parent. We <laughs> We've got to change that narrative or we're just irrelevant. Right. And, you know, and, and it leads to the possibility. I mean, because we as humans, right, this is why we need each other and mm -hmm. each other to kind of help push each other and hold each other up because we're innately blinded by what sounds good and by what feels good. And it's so easy to slip into, right, this comfort zone um, of things that, you know, we want a singularized leader at some point, mm -hmm. right? And we want somebody to kind of lead the clan, so to speak. And so, um, you know, and that's where I think, like, there's more than enough people willing to stand up and be like, I'll, I'll be that person. I know how to speak well. I know how to, you know, and and, th and then that's where things just start to get fucked, you know, quite, quite honestly. Um, and it really wasn't until I left the Adventist faith that I was able to see that on a broader scope um, mm -hmm. that there was this this hierarchy. I mean, think about just how much religion has tried to control sex and human mm -hmm. sexuality. Who oh. can procreate? How you can procreate? Um, when you can procreate? All these different things. Who can have kids? Who can't have kids? This is the is way... Is sex valid if you're not procreating? We ex don't know. You know ex what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And so... I think about it and I'm just like, it's like when people say, well, I want a biblical, you know, marriage. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, really? Like, is a biblical. You want to marry your sister and have 700 wives also? You right. want to have a couple concubines on the side? Like, I'm, I'm trying to research <laughs> right now to do a video on biblical marriage. Because if I hear that phrase one more time, I'm going to fucking vomit. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about, Leo, that those are the type of things that, we don't and I remember asking a pastor this is when I was still working as a youth pastor but I was kind of I was already on my way out uh, because right. I was asking the question like I said like, all right pastor I said I'm reading Genesis so eventually somebody gonna have to have sex with a uh, sister and brother 
Um, <laughs> you know, and I remember the pastor just flat out saying, well, rather than saying, I don't know. You know, saying it was like, well, God allowed that for a, a, a little bit of a time. And I'm like, God damn, God is freaky as fuck. Like, I don't know if I, I want to serve this God. <laughs> I can't. I can't. And those, you know, that that phrase of biblical marriage, I actually recoiled a little bit when you said it, because it's one of those phrases, right? Yes. Like these are the things that we are supposed to be in concert with in, in American Christianity. We got biblical marriage is a thing, um, you know, like well, right sexual practices is a thing, blah, blah, blah. Meantime, motherfuckers don't want to realize that there are, you know, six main clobber passages loosely construed or, you know, represented to be nine sometimes if you look at doubled stories and there's over there there are what is it 32 over 32,000 verses in the bible like six seven eight nine talk about homosexuality over 470 talk about dealing with poverty yet we're going to have people in a first world country that can't afford to eat despite working full time <laughs> but we got to talk about biblical right. marriage right we're talking about biblical marriage while right. people are starving right two full-time jobs in some cases right you know yeah. and still can't afford to fucking eat <laughs> yep exactly like this is the point we, we followed the wrong vehicle right yes and if, nothing, if, if nothing else right now i'll tell you one thing i'm very fucking stubborn and at this point i'm just white knuckling my hold on to christianity because like holy shit they gotta do better <laughs> well and i think I made a, go ahead go for it no go, go oh, ahead I, was gonna say, I made a video called uh, a couple weeks ago it's on my youtube channel and the video called uh, it's called i'm the crazy gay uncle at the family reunion <laughs> and, and, and that's who i am to christendom i am the crazy gay uncle at the family reunion of christendom and they're like god we wish he wouldn't come back but i keep coming that's it that's <laughs> it and, and i think that that's again that's those are important aspects i think to have and the reality of it is is like so many folks just want the sameness. I and and here's the thing. I remember my 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 former therapist used to say this all the time. He was just like, you know, people just want to know that you're doing the same things that they're doing. They don't give a mm -hmm. shit about anything else, right? Are you going to church? Are you yep. doing the same thing? Because ultimately, I don't want to have to question my own thing. Because if you're not doing it, wait, why are you not doing it? Does that mean that I I don't have to do this? Does that mean that I don't have to think this way? And that ultimate meta narrative that I think that needs to be questioned and that kind of meta theological thought that God is this way, heaven is this way. When I die, I'm going to immediately meet, you know, go into the afterlife and run into the light. None of us know that shit. So let's live what we have now yes. and continue to make this place a better place. But so many motherfuckers, like you said, are, are, are confounded on two or three different things, you know, gun laws and, you know, yeah. Jesus and, you know, and, you know, does Jesus care about babies? Like, okay, let's go down that route. Do you really care about the kids though? Once they're born, will you follow that kid? Especially if that kid, you know, comes out as a person of color and ends up deciding to not be and follow God and becomes an atheist. Are you going to support their life through that? Yeah. Yep, you got to make sure they can eat, right? Because that seems to be a fundamental concern. You can't <laughs> eat a Bible, right? <laughs> right. Like you can't eat a Bible, homie. Like, give me something real. Give me something practical. Something that matters. Exactly. You know, 
And I, there's, I think that there are those things within Christianity and within the Torah and within, you know, the New Testament. Uh, amazing, the, the jury's still out on the Pauline epistles, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not a big Paul fan. I'm not ne- gonna lie. Neither am I. Neither am I. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I am not definitely not a, a, a Paul fan. Uh, yeah. a, a lot, you know, and I'm just like, why this cat get to re- write all this shit in here, man? Like, what, what the fuck right, that, like, man? There was some tomfoolery at the Council of Nicaea. If we're putting Paul in there, right? And so much of Paul, like, no, no, Paul is a Blue Lives Matter supporter. Exactly. That's what I <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I just I read his shit and I'm just like, yeah, nah, man, I, I, ain't, I ain't with this cat, man. This this cat yeah. is. And especially if you follow some of the again, the archaeological history, a lot of folks, especially the women. He was an asshole. He was awful. <laughs> awful. <laughs> awful person. So I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I had a I had a, a, a young woman. I couldn't tell her age to, because like through her TikTok profile, but definitely a younger woman. I'm gonna say like te- like late teens to early 30s. It was really hard to tell from the picture, but um, she was trying to, to defend the like the position that homosexuality, which I hate the hard age word. I hate it, I, but it yes. only gets used in terms of religious folks yes. having an argument. So for the sake of conversation, she was trying to defend that homosexuality is wrong and she's used in Paul and I she she sent a link to like the Bible gateway passage and I literally screenshot it and I was like couple verses down here is telling me women should ask their husbands to interpret the sermon you gonna tell me you roll with that because that's a weird flex for you to choose that verse to hinge your argument on homie do you shop on your own or do you have to take your handmaiden partner to the grocery right. store come on right <laughs> right exactly and that and that's for me I'm just like it's like fool, you know, fools who want to, you know, continue to say, you know, like once I really started looking at, because you know, again, going up Seventh Day Adventist, and even for the Nation of Islam, for that matter, you know, there was dietary restrictions and stuff, and you know, and at least in the Quran, it's a little clearer. Whereas in the New, the Old Testament, it's you know, I'm just like, wait a minute. So we're just picking verses that we want to just, you know, just get, go with, and and, yes. and we've bought them hook line and sinker like so much that the hook is 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 trapped in our throat and for yeah. some people because I, I go fishing a lot and like oftentimes i got i have to buy a tool to get a hook out of the throat of the fish otherwise you rip literally it's their entire guts out and i feel like that's where so many folks are with christianity is like you know they have taken this stuff in that it's embedded in their insides that they don't even Think about questioning it. Well, of course I wouldn't eat pork. Well, break yeah. that down a little bit more. Why? How come? Well, it says it in the Bible. Okay, where? When did it say it? Because are you also cutting out your eye and 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 chopping off your hands? Because yeah. th- there's I mean, also you, some. Are you shaving your sideburns? Like, let's talk. You know what right. I mean? Like, and if you're not, I'm also not a slam on Judaism because no. I actually think there's something beautiful about being able to retain such an intense practice as a form of spiritual discipline. I think that's fantastic. But motherfucker, if you're trying to tell me you're not eating pork and I can't be gay, let me see those sideburns. Right. Like, let's just, right. I'm just saying for matters of comparison, you know. 
know, I think that hook analogy is a great way to go, though, because that's, that's absolutely right. If, if it's almost as if if you pull on that one thing, it does pull all their insides out because then you've got to question everything. But maybe they should make maybe we should be right. I don't, don't right. want to even say them because maybe we should be because my first process of being me was really having the hook pulled out. I had to I had to give it all up and rebuild on my non-negotiables, you know, then my non-negotiables for me are, are right here on my knuckles. I don't know if they'll focus, but um, but I have agape and shalom on okay. my knuckles. Okay, all right. Come uh, on. Because, well, you know, if you're going to have to learn to read the Bible in its original text, you might as well get two tattoos for flex. Uh, <laughs> but, but for me, those were my non-negotiables when I came out. And that's what happened when my guts were pulled out with the hook was like, yo, what's left? What are we not giving up on? And those are the two things I will fight for the death to the death for. And if, if, if I see a Christianity in modern context, a Christianity and modernity that doesn't support these two things, I'm highly sus, as the kids would say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. Well, and, and I think you're right. I mean, because so much we've overlooked the, you know, the love part of this and and it's and we get into the rules. I mean, and that's what I'm trying to figure out about humans. Like we're so rule oriented. Like, what is it about the rules that we forget to love people in the midst of that? Like, what is the spirit of the rule rather than the letter of the rule? Because no one follows rules to their wholeness. If anything, those in power are able to keep redefining rules to suit them so that they don't look like they're on the outside, you know, and. I, I, for me, that's what it comes back down to. It's like, how do we love and how do I love to actually love not to get into heaven, not right. to say I'm serving some missional, you know, uh, a passage or that I'm that I'm doing some kind of thing to make me look good. Speaking of social media, so many people, you know, post the pictures. I wrote a whole yeah. article on, you know, beyond selfies and colonialism and stuff, you know, because it's like so often that becomes the case. Like, let me just go and build this fence in this Pueblo somewhere um, yeah. that let me just love to love without any strings attached. That without from, an agenda. What's that? Without an agenda. Without an agenda. Yep. Without an agenda. That's the, that for me is, is the, is the true gut check. Um, and uh, it's a challenge to be honest with you, because there is, there is that sense of like, why well, did this for you? So now you should do what I want you to do and, and right. live the way I think you should live. And just like, Whoa, where the hell did that come from? Right. And I feel like these ideas, um, the <laughs> funny, funny, like story is that, um, I, I always think sometimes people think it's a little hokey when people talk about breath work, like shouldn't that be just innate, but it's not right. And it's something that we can engage in and we can use to help calm our anxiety, to help center ourselves, to help bring our physical being back into like a relaxed and whole state. And I think if the idea of, you know, if we have to work on the idea of, of breathing, shouldn't we have to work on the idea of love? And once we've conquered those things, then we'll move on. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that, those are the basics. Like we need to get back to our spiritual breath work, which sounds like you can think someone's crazy or you can really dive into it and say, is there something here and maybe that's what we got to focus on you know what i mean maybe that's what we need to get our our sights set on and 
I know that's why I'm stubbornly, that's why I'm stubbornly at this point making Christians acknowledge that I'm part of their community at this point, because I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying I'm just over here like the canary in the mine, like, bro, we lost it. Wrong vehicle. There's gas in the air. We got to change something. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and and that's, I, I, you said gas in the air. I mean, that is, that is so truth, you know, about this, because I feel like there's been a lot of people saying that for a long time. And I, and, and I will say for myself, and I'll say this leading up to the 2016 election, I still believe that, you know, if you, 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 you hang on, you, you try to push and, and, you know, and, and try to convince somebody, right. Of racism, you know, and then I felt like this huge slap in the back. It's like, man, the gas was on. I, I think I was just ignoring some of the, some of the beepers, some of the, the some of the, uh, some of the warning signs, if you will, that, you know, that, that, you know, things, need a bit more force to them, you yeah. know, you know, and so, you know, uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I wonder, you know, I think about, you know, societies, I think about, uh, the history of that. Um, uh, I've been right reading a lot of this guy, um, Peter Turek. Uh, what? he is a, uh, he's a professor and he's got this, um, I forget, I'm forgetting what it's, uh, what the whole thing, but it's, it, he's studied like 12, 14,000 years of human history. And so they've got this huge database and just looking at the rise and fall of societies and whatnot. And we're kind of at that point, you know, where it's just like, okay, we've lost a baseline for truth. Uh, we have a certain around amount of elite folks that, you know, kind of look, you know, have their noses down large wealth gaps, you know, that are starting to, you know, continue to do, you know, to expand. Uh, we also have, you know, a, a changing globe again, whether, you know, whether we, we know it's human made, um, yeah. created, but either way, whether it comes from the earth itself or whether it's human made, we have a major shift. So it's like, okay, lives are going to be showing up and, and, and asking different things, you know, pretty quickly here. Um, what does that mean for the next 10 years. And I, and I don't have answers I, I, other than I'm saying, I hope I would hope that we would figure some of this stuff out. Um, yeah. I think that's a part of too, I'm a verbal processor. So allow me to work this out with yeah. you in conversation, but um, I, and I have to wrap up in just a few seconds, but I want to throw this out there. I think that's another part of queering church is the idea that if we have said all of the answers to the world are in lie within this discipline of religious study, and I use the word discipline lightly, <laughs> but if we think that all of the answers to solve all of the world's problems are siloed over here in religion, we've also lost the queer nature of the church because there is inter interdisciplinary ways to look at problems, sociology, psychology, you know what I mean? Uh, anthropology, um, ecology, biology, there are all these things that we can use and the church should not be so unqueered as to just be siloed over here. It's dumb. Exactly. You know, you just look dumb. But I think part of requeering church is reconnecting with interdisciplinary um, collaboration and not seeing, you know, science and the Bible pitched as hard enemies. Exactly. We need to reintegrate those and thinking people need to be allowed to have a voice in religion. And in I'm, I, I'm speaking mostly to my people because I can't speak to everybody else's people. I speak to mine. <laughs> Let some smart people back in the door. Stop reading books by people who didn't do any research. They're relying on like, you know, quadri quadrary sources. They're not even close to primary sources. Like stop reading those books. Right. Read, a, read a scientific study. Challenge yourself to 
read an actual psychological journal, do something. But let's let's work on these big issues. And instead of being siloed and being stuck here, let's really be intersectional and see what we can do to change the world. And let's consider that interdisciplinary collaboration a spiritual act of worship. I love it. I love it. I love it. Wow. That's a good place to, uh, I think, pause then, uh, you know, given uh, the the ground that we've covered, because it's been a lot and it's been great yeah. uh, to have this conversation. Uh, I'm going to ask you two more questions. Last uh, and every episode like with this, I, yep. I want to get uh, this out. So first question is, if, if people could only remember one sentence from this, from, from, from hearing you, from meeting you, from this conversation, what would you want people to take away from that? That's a great question. Um, I do what I can. <laughs> I hear that. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. That's good. That one's, that's the stumper. I would say, um, love has got to be at the center. True love. The agape love has got to be at the center of what we're doing, uh, irregardless of what it is. How do we keep people in love at the center of these things without losing our, our losing humanity? I love that. I think that's perfect. I've had everything from eat the Taco Bell, it's not that bad for you to keep love at the center. So a perfectly qualified last sentence. Uh, my last question is, is less of a stumper. It's how can people get in touch with you if they want to follow your work, find your books, shoot the shit with you. I know you have such a breadth of topics you can cover. We didn't even get into hip hop theology, but how can people connect with you to uh, to see more of, of Daniel Light Hodge in their world? Absolutely. No, and we'll, and again, this is means we'll have to have another uh, uh convo powwow session um yes absolutely i always tell folks you can go to whitehodge.com just literally just type that in and that's connections to i got essays there there's media podcasts book sample chapters the whole nine whitehodge.com uh right. we'll get you there and what that's about yourself <laughs> what's that um I said that's the eye of the storm. That's Jump it. right in there. That's it. Um, so my name is Leo WT. If you search that hashtag, you'll probably find me. Uh, you'll find a lot of different work, though. You'll find my hair. You'll find poetry. You'll find, you know, just random stuff. But if you really want to kind of jump in on the conversation, no pun intended, um, but if you want to jump in on the conversation, you want to hear more podcasts, watch more videos, um, read some blogs, find some merch, uh, find some info on the book. You can find that all at conversationsofficial.com. Um, we're Conversations Official across all social media in some form of another. But instead of giving you all my links, I'm just going to say go to conversationsofficial.com and all of the links are on that page. Um, as far as the book, it is still very much in process. I'm still working on connecting with publishers. I've got a couple ideas, um, but I, it's still coming out. So follow conversationsofficial.com. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Uh, we have a merch shop on Etsy. Um, check all of those and you'll see more about the book and more about this general chaos that is conversations and that is Leo WT. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, you, sir, have a great day. I can't wait to talk to you again. It's really going to have to happen. Um, let, let's let's do it again, man. Absolutely. I could, would look forward to that anytime. Thanks so much, Leo. I appreciate you. Amazing. Have a great day, brother. We'll talk to you, you later. Too. All right. <laughs>